1: Scary Parish. It's Wednesday, November 4th, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And today we're continuing our series of previews of the top seven conferences. Today, we turn our attention to the SEC, where Norlander and I do not agree on which team should be the preseason favorite. I got Tennessee picked first. Norlander has Kentucky. Now, we both have Tennessee and Kentucky as our top two, and we both have LSU pick third, and we both have Alabama, Florida, and Arkansas, in slightly different orders, pick fourth, fifth, and sixth. So we're mostly on the same page in terms of which teams we believe will be good in the SEC, but we do have disagreement at the top. Norlander, why are you so confident in John Calipari's Kentucky Wildcats, even though they return just one player from last season?
0: It's a repeat of a season ago here with Cal and Kentucky in terms of the turnover. I do think last season was the most Kentucky had turned over, still went 25 and six. Now in the sec, you know, weirdly enough, 25 and six went equated to 15 and three and they, they won the league. Like they were, they were 29th in Ken Palm and they still won the league because no one else was better than them. Um, I don't think that's going to be good enough. Like, if you tell me right now that Kentucky is the 27th best team at Ken Palm at the end of the season, I'm going to tell you that's not going to be the best team in the SEC. But that's the biggest reason why. Now, to be fair, last season's team did return Hagans, it returned Richards, it returned quickly. But I think he brought in, I thought we talked about this a year ago, GP, like he brought in more or lost more than he had ever to that point with Kentucky. This year, it's even worse worse in quotations just in terms of turnover there so uh, it's it's a coin flip for me like i know you're in on tennessee i i i I feel like you're going to be right on this more than i am but uh i just it's it's a narrow edge Uh, let me check right now right now in real time i'm not going to reveal the numbers but where kentucky is on my rankings i got kentucky and tennessee separated well actually it's i got them separated by four spots so it's not that that close but we are in agreement i think right in terms of like I think there's a line between them. And then once you get to LSU at number three,
1: I do. Or at the very least, I should say this I have the Vols 12th in the top 25 and one. I've got Kentucky 13th. I have them set, they're, they're right on top of each other. I have LSU, I believe, 26th. But in preparation for this podcast, man, LSU's roster is really good. Like, you know, they've got talent, they've got experience. It, it will not surprise me if LSU ends up winning the sec even though i've got lsu third and tennessee number one kentucky in the middle there I, I asked the the question somewhat like rhetorically um you don't have to try to explain to me why you think john calipari's kentucky team's going to be good uh, we know why they're going to be good if they're good uh, they're super talented they enrolled the number one class in america but we talked about this recently on an Ion college basketball podcast i believe after olivier saar got eligible like this is the top ranked recruiting class in america at kentucky but it is not a normal top ranked kentucky recruiting class there's only two five five star prospects in it bj boston who was ranked fifth in the class of 2020 by 24 7 sports and terrence clark who was ranked eighth nobody else in kentucky's class was ranked in the top 25 of the class of 2020 so this isn't one of those classes where they're enrolling four five stars or five five stars it's two five stars and then some very good players who probably should stay in college more than one year which could ultimately benefit the Kentucky program long term obviously they add Olivier Saar but reasonable people can um, wonder how good he's going to be when I had a conversation with Cal Boone about this recently when you were on vacation. I think he and I agreed, Kyle, that that Olivia Star's probably third best player at Kentucky uh, on paper. Uh, you know that like that's where I think he'll settle in. Like we won't think of him as the star of Kentucky's team, uh, or at least I'd be surprised if we do. Davion Mintz is eligible. A Creighton transfer, he didn't play at all last season, averaged 9.7 points per game at Creighton the year before. They get Jacob Toppin eligible, but he only averaged five points at Rhode Island last season. Like, with all due respect, he shouldn't matter much at yeah. Kentucky, at Agreed. least not this season. So, um, Kentucky is super talented. I will not be shocked if Kentucky wins the SEC. I guess I should just go ahead and say it. Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU, any of those schools winning the SEC should not be a surprising thing for anybody. But I guess I would just hammer home this point. Kentucky's top-ranked rec- – Kentucky brings back basically nothing, and the top-ranked recruiting class is not built like their top-ranked recruiting classes normally are.
0: Here's the Kempom finish for Cal since he got to Kentucky. Uh, 4-7-1-55. That's when New Orleans got hurt. They lost to Bobby Moe. It's the only bad year that Kentucky's had since Cal got there. So, 4-7-1-55, 13-1-6-4, 17-8, and then last season, 29. It will be intriguing to see what happens this season. I'm going to bang this drum. I think Terrence Clark, not B.J. Boston, will be Kentucky's best player. I think that will be evident within a month of the season starting. And then... uh, I guess Olivier Sarr is the third best player although I kind of want to see what Keon Brooks does. I'm I'm curious as to who's going to be the better Keon in the SEC. Will it be Keon Brooks or Keon Johnson at Tennessee who I think will be a, a big-time player there. We've talked uh, about how you like Put John- me down put me down for Keon Johnson. I think I'm with you. I think I am with you on Keon Johnson being better than Keon Brooks, but Keon Brooks is the only guy who's returning to the Kentucky roster. And so I just wonder if he's going to slide in and, and get a lot more production. I don't know. You have John Fulkerson as your preseason SEC player of the year. BJ Boston was our freshman of the year. Rick Barnes was our, um, our coach of the year. And then Keontae Johnson, we'll get to Florida in a few minutes, but he's our player of the year, not Fulkerson, who you made the pick for. Um, I love Eve Pons. I think he's going to be spectacular. I, I, I do like Tennessee a ton. Um, Jaden Springer's another name to know with the volunteers there. Rick Barnes has, you know, we, we don't need to do a deep dive on the Vols. We'll talk about him plenty, almost probably almost weekly on the podcast. But let's just step back step back and acknowledge this. Like, Tennessee fans, your program right now is in the best scenario possible that you could have asked for once you got Rick Barnes to, to coach coach the team. Like, think about when Donnie Tyndall came in, how that ended, you got Barnes. The first season, it was sub-500. And even at the time of Barnes is hiring, it was like, I guess we'll take it. But, like, you know, like chronic underachiever at Texas, like, is this really what... Hey, look at it now. Three seed, two, three seasons ago, 26-9 record. Two seed the year after that, made the Sweet 16, lost in heartbreaker, 31-6. Last year, took a step back. But now, you are rightfully in the discussion as a top-20 preseason team. This is just... You are approaching levels of consistency that you had under the best seasons of Bruce Pearl, and the Pearl era is as good as just about any other in the history of all basketball. So, uh, be happy that Barnes is your coach. You got a really good staff there. Consistently, when you're landing five-star dudes at like Tennessee, like things are going well. So, congrats to you. And yes, you you should be uh, expecting, not you know guaranteeing, but just expecting. Yeah, why not us? Why can't we win the SEC? You're definitely there.
1: But well, like they won it two seasons ago, so or or three seasons ago, I guess it was. So Rick Barnes already has an SEC title. Like I said, I've got Tennessee ranked twelfth in the top twenty-five and one, and it is a remarkable story, this Rick Barnes story, and it is one that I um, willingly acknowledge I was wrong about. I, I Rick Barnes has had an incredible career. I've known Rick for a long time. I like Rick Barnes. If I were running the University of Tennessee, I would not have hired Rick Barnes and the reason is because he continued to win at texas like go look he he never he never stopped winning at texas but he stopped recruiting at texas or i should say he stopped enrolling high level recruits there was a time where it was like kevin durant tristan thompson like consistent five star to five star to five star and that had like fallen off I did a story at one point where I went and looked at the last X amount of top 50 prospects in the state of Texas, and almost none of them were going to Texas. They were going to Baylor. They were going to Kentucky. Obviously, they were going to any, it it, it felt like any, and the numbers backed it up. It, it Basically, they were going anywhere other than Kentucky. So then, of course, they get tired of that at Texas because they see no reason why they can't be great at Texas because you've got all the resources in the world, like Kevin Durant played here not too long ago. Like, let's start recruiting at a high level and then winning at a high level, not recruiting at a subpar level and consistently winning. So they move Rick, and then Tennessee is like waiting for that to happen. They hire him as quickly as they can. And my, my logic behind not thinking it was a smart hire for UT was rooted in like some pretty basic decent stuff. It's like okay if he st- if he's not recruiting at a high level at Texas anymore in a state that's just filled with high school um, elite level high school prospects, why is he going to recruit in Knoxville? Because the only city in the state of Tennessee that has basketball talent, Whereas, like, in Texas, you can go to Houston, you can go to Dallas, you can go anywhere. In, in Tennessee, the only city that has basketball town is Memphis. Memphis is, like, six and a half hours from Knoxville. And, you know, Tennessee, even when, like, Bruce Pearl had that thing rocking and rolling and Steve Ford was on his staff and they were living in Memphis, they couldn't get anything done. And so uh, there's no reason to think Tennessee is going to be able to recruit successfully in Memphis. Um, uh, Rick Barnes hasn't been recruiting successfully at all. Why does this make sense? And and in fairness to me, if you'll allow me to be fair to me, the Rick Barnes era at Tennessee did not get off to a good start. He signed zero top 100 players in his first four classes at Tennessee. Zero top 100 players. And then he started winning with three-star players at Tennessee. It's not something you should try to replicate, but he did do it. This was with the Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams uh, roster. Because they got so good there, or for whatever reason, then they started recruiting at a high level. 2019, they enrolled five-star Josiah Jordan-James, still in the roster. 2020, they just enrolled Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. They're on the roster now. Both of those guys look like they can be one and done. I was told by somebody who follows Tennessee closely, who's around that program, that Keon Johnson might be a top-ten pick. You know, We'll see. Mm-hmm. They've already got a commitment in the class of 2021 from five-star point guard, Kennedy Chandler, who is from Memphis. So now Rick Barnes has got that thing rocking and rolling. And when you acknowledge that they're returning four of the top five scores from a team that beat Florida and Kentucky in the final two weeks of the regular season, last season, adding to it a number four ranked recruiting class with those two five-star prospects. Um, I I just don't see why they're not going to be good. John Fulkerson, it was my preseason SEC player of the year. I got outvoted. I had him a preseason 13 All-American. You know, he averaged 13.7 points, 5.9 rebounds, shot 61% for the field last season. In the final 10 games, it was 18.3 points. I think he's going to be really good. I think those freshmen are going to be terrific. I think Tennessee is going to be a national player again.
0: I like Tennessee and Kentucky at the top. Then LSU and Florida are three and four. That's where they finished last season uh, in the in the standings. LSU tied with Auburn in, in the standings, and then Florida tied with Mississippi State, who I think is going to plunge. Um, you you referenced it before. Will Wade does have a very good team. Trending Watford returns. He is a, a prime candidate to be a player who had a solid first season in college, didn't receive a lot of pub, but then like if he's a top five dude in the SEC, I won't be stunned at all. Javante Smart is also back there. Um, they bring in a five star guard named Cameron Thomas, who will stand out there. LSU looks like its ceiling could be a three seed in the NCAA tournament honestly like there's a lot to be to be had there and then Florida Florida just we had them last season top 10 I think they were the preseason number six team in the AP top 25 parish they were undeniably a letdown there and they lose by it's gonna be super fascinating because um you know Mike White told me Near the end of last season, that Kerry Blackshear like was everything to that team. Like they went nineteen and twelve, and without him, maybe they're twelve and nineteen. He's gone. They returned plenty of talent. Keontae Johnson is our preseason SEC Player of the Year. I I can't I can't fully envision that coming to be. Maybe it will, but I'm just I think there's a lot around him that I think the production will be like his stats might not be there. Uh, they they bring back Scotty Lewis, who. If he can be more like what he was recruited to be and and improve his shooting, his defense, there's no question with that. I think uh, there's something to be had there. The Gators, they're a top 25-level team to me, though. Um, They lose Andrew Nembard, but I think that was a welcome departure. He's going to Gonzaga sitting out. He'll play next season. Trey Mann is back. He's also a very important player as well. So I do like Florida a lot to me. I know people are high on Bama, and they are in our top five. But for me, Parrish, I I think that there's a, a little bit of a separation between... The LSU Tigers, the Florida Gators, and the Crimson Tide.
1: So I have Tennessee, Kentucky, and LSU in the top 25 and one. And then I have Alabama 28th, because I've done the rankings out to 36 because people, fans from schools that think they should be ranked but aren't right, they're like, well, where do you have this team? Where do you have that team? And I just, so now I just put it in the thing like, hey, if this were the top 35 and one, here's what the next 10 schools would look like. I've got Alabama 28th. Florida 29th, Arkansas 31st. So I've got six SEC schools in the top 31. Florida, they were – when we talked about most disappointing teams in America last season, I think it was probably Washington would be the most obvious one. Yeah. But – because they were supposed to be good, two first-round picks, and, like, they were awful. Um, But the other one that comes up is Florida. But here's the thing. And to be clear, Florida was disappointing – you know, they were preseason top 10, but they still finished top 35 at Ken Palm. They weren't terrible. They just weren't what we thought they were going to be. And obviously, a lot of that was, well, why did we think they were going to be a top 10 team? Well, they're, they're, they're two reasons. Um, Kerry Blackshear, the enrollment of him. And they added two McDonald's All-Americans and Trey Mann and Scotty Lewis. You expect five-star freshmen to be impactful. Neither one of those guys were great. That's why they're back in school, or at least among the reasons they're back in school. So Keontae Johnson has a nice season. Kerry Blackshear was what he was. Um, but like when you've got two five-star freshmen and neither one of them show up, you're not going to be the top 10 team you were supposed to be. So they weren't. But they were a top 35 team at Ken Six of the top eight scores from that team are back. And if you can get Trey Mann or Scotty Lewis, and maybe both, to look like the five-star prospects they were considered to be Two years ago, well, then that's how if you're Mike White, you you break through, um, shut your fans up who are a little, um, I don't know, impatient or I don't know, they just want you know they just want high level basketball without exception. So I'm not going to blame them for that. But like, I get chirping from Florida fans sometimes, and then I go look at Mike's Wikipedia page, and I'm like, looks like he's doing pretty good. But then I still get the chirping. If you want to shut that stuff up, it, 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 you get Trey man Scotty Lewis to play like McDonald's All Americans. Um, Keontae Johnson comes back and and actually performs like a possible SEC player of the year, well, then that's how Florida can overachieve this season relative to preseason expectations as – opposed to what happened last season, which is underachieved relative to preseason expectations.
0: Right, you covered the Gators. I got to talk about Arkansas real quick. It returns. Uh, it's like Kentucky. There's, uh, I think, Desi Sills, who started, he's the only returner of, of significance. And then a, and then, a player named Ethan Henderson is, is back. Everything else is a massive turnover. Losing Isaiah Joe. See, Joe left, came back, then left again. And I think Must knows he might be in a... Uh, just a less advantageous position without him. Like you have Isaiah Joe on this roster with his shooting ability. I think it makes a big difference. I i don't know. The closer we get to the start of the season, the less in I am on the hogs relative to the rest of the league there. We've got him six and this is year two from us. I mean, you want to talk about a, a, a classic example of a coach going and taking a job and like rebuilding it to him. Like it's happening in real time at Arkansas. They are getting the benefit of the doubt off a of 20 and 12 season, but We'll, let's just see. Like, we'll see. Um, I think six is their ceiling in the league, personally. Now, they're going to be helped by the fact that they're, I mean, according to our collective projections, and we'll get to Bama, but Bama five, Arkansas six, Auburn seven, Carolina, South Carolina eight. Like, I'm telling you, like, I don't think Auburn's going to be that good. South Carolina's got a stud named A.J. Lawson, but I'm. I, they're going to be, like, Ole Miss, Missouri. Like, there's a parish. Like, we talked about the Pac-12 earlier this week. A lot there. To me, the SEC just... I don't know. Good at the top, but Bama, Arkansas, and then I think it starts to, to be a, a pretty quick, quick slide there. Yeah, the top six,
1: I like. Again, six in the top 31. After then, after that, it does drop off for me. Um, Auburn lost all five starters. Now, they enroll a five-star in Shreve Cooper, but they lost all five starters. South Carolina does bring back three of its top four. You mentioned A.J. Lawson. We'll see. You know, Frank Martin is obviously an accomplished coach. We'll see what he can do with that. Ole Miss... It's kind of interesting. They have Devontae Schuler, who I think can have a breakout year. Fun fact about him, played on the same AAU team in South Carolina once upon a time with Zion Williamson and John ja Morant. And if you were to ask, because somebody did ask John ja Morant once about that team, they were like, So who was better? Ja back then, was it you or Zion? Who was the star of the team? Which I was like, "It was really Devonte Shuler mm. was the best player on our team Good at note. the time." Good note. Yeah, yeah. So Devontae Shuler is now at Ole Miss. They added Romello White, Arizona State transfer. He averaged ten and nine last season for the Sun Devils. So they've got some pieces there. Missouri brings back Mark Smith, Jeremiah Tillman. Um, Buzz is still building at AM. Mississippi State lost its top four scores. You know, Tom Crean I think is still building at Georgia. The Anthony Edwards era didn't really work. Um, from a team perspective, as well as you'd like. Uh, I think it's important to note with Tom, he didn't win an NCAA tournament game at Marquette until his fourth year. Did not win an NCAA tournament game at Indiana until his fourth year. Looks like it's probably going to be the same um, at, at at Georgia, I would assume. And then Vanderbilt just kind of lives at the bottom and has yeah. been for a, a while. It doesn't mean they can't break out of that someday under Jerry Stackhouse, but, uh, but, but they're not going to break out of it this season.
0: No, they are the consensus bottom team in the league. Uh, Vandy 14, I, I do think it's going to be a long season for Georgia. I'm just not uh, – again, like, let's see one more year with Tom. Let's see what, how, they, how they traverse the course there. But uh, them 13. Mississippi State is as monotonous of a roster, I think, in a power conference this season. I just don't find a lot of inspiration there. Losing Reggie Perry, Robert Woodard, Nick Weatherspoon. Uh, those are big hits. I just uh, Ben Howland, by the way, next win – Number 500 for Ben Hallin. I don't know who's on their schedule to start the season, but uh, I think think he starts the season if he wins 500, and I'm totally vamping off the top of my head. But I want to say, like, Mark, I could be way off on this. This is real-time thinking, but I have all these stats from doing all this research. I want to say, like, the next one or two wins that Mark Few gets will be 600. So there's a couple of coaches that are eager to start the season to hit a personal milestone. A&M under Buzz. They're going to have a a dude named um, uh, Kevin Marfo, who was the best rebounder in college basketball last season but I don't know. Savion flag solid. They're just, they, these are not NCAA tournament level teams. And then Missouri, actually Missouri is the one team, like there's always a team that'll pop up in surprise. I'm just wondering if Konzo might be able to just, if we might look up in January and say, well, like look at this, like they're top six team in the league. Let me talk real quick about Alabama. I, they are super intriguing because uh, early reports, um, uh, I'll I'll just lift a phrase from our from our pal John John but uh, moles out of Tuscaloosa mm. are indicating that Herb Jones is uh, Herb Jones is is the best player on this roster heading into this season there. But not far behind are Jaden Shackleford, who's going to take the reins after Kyra Lewis is gone, and then John Petty, of course, who's been there a while and is a really really good three point shooter. Um, a really strong trio right there for sure. Uh, Bama can certainly run. And this is Oates' second season. We all know how good he was at Buffalo. I mean, he inherited that from from Bobby Hurley and went on to make three tournaments in four seasons, famously beat Arizona. And, you know, I'm not super high on him. super But if you tell me, like, just go hypothetical, Parrish, like, if Alabama's the second-best team in the SEC, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility, but if they just hit... Like, it wouldn't stun me. Nate Oates is, is quickly proven to be a, a coach who can adapt and kind of uh, MacGyver his rosters to optimal results here. So, to me, the most intriguing team, and SEC's not on short on intriguing teams, but to me, the most intriguing team is Bama because I don't feel like I have a confident grasp on if they really are flirting with top 10 status or maybe they're more like, you know, 8-9-C when we get to the tournament. But the talent's still good. Jones, Petty Shackleford, as I said.
1: Alabama was a team I consistently uh, paid attention to last season because they were one of those teams and these teams pop up in Kempom all the time. Record terrible, Kempom rating very good. Like mm. or at least respectable. They were 16 and 15 overall 8 and 10 in the SEC, but 60th at, at Kempom. I mean that put them in the range of teams that were going to get at large bids to the NCAA tournament. Now they were not going to get an at. But how about this? They were not going to get an at large bid to the NCAA tournament, but right. they were 60th at Kipom, three spots ahead of Arizona State, which was projected as a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. So there's some data there that suggests Alabama is was was significantly better than what their surface level record would suggest. And if you subscribe to that. And then go, now they're bringing four of the top six scores back from that team. They're adding Javon Quinterly, former
0: five-star point guard. I see how you could tuck yeah. yourself into him pretty quickly. Good point on Quinterly. I uh, neglected to mention him before. But they're they're right there. To me, big picture, tournament teams, Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU, Florida, I think easily. And then I would think Bama and Arkansas are there. But I think the SEC will be a six-bid league Maybe Missouri and South Carolina flirt with it. Um, We greatly disagree on Missouri. You've got them down at 13. I took a chance to put them seven, which I know is high. But, again, I like to take the occasional shot there. But I don't think this is going to be a vintage year. Last season, last thing for me, the SEC ranked sixth in conferences per Ken Palm. Big 10 was one. Big 12 was two. Big East three. Uh, Then a little bit of a gap uh, with the ACC Pac-12 and then the SEC – you know, better than the American, but not by much. Uh, So just keep that, keep that in mind going forward here. I think it's going to be more of the same with that conference this season.
1: Shouts to Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, shouts to Terry MF Teagle, legend, shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the eye on college basketball podcast in the middle of the Just the dumbest pandemic I've ever been a part of in my life. I hope I never have to to do this again. I appreciate you guys being here. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go subscribe to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. I'd appreciate it. Norlander would appreciate it. So you go do that, and we will talk to you again real soon. And by real soon, I mean tomorrow on Thursday when we'll be previewing the Big East. Till then, take care.